damn, I mean, this is really real. What's happening to these students, despite anyone's views of the occupation, of the conflict, it's really dangerous because like hope matters so much for an individual. And once they lose hope, things can really become quite dire. I'm not trying to say they're bad people. You know, violence is bad, but when you take it into context, they're just trying to save themselves and they're just trying to save their situation. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. What a great conversation with RJ. I can't tell you the feeling as a professor to have a student take what he learned in your classroom and apply it, and beyond applying it on a global scale to a situation so complex as Palestine, and to have him be so enthusiastic and have it mean so much to him. Of course, most of that was before me and independent of me. I don't want to take all this credit. Most of this credit goes to RJ, of course. I'm kind of torn between which was more valuable to me, listening to him talking about his leadership project in Palestine or hearing him take on his personal challenge. Of course, the personal challenge is on a small scale compared to the Palestine situation, but it's that mindset shift. And I hope you listen through and listen to the mindset shift and hear how he's taking on new things and trying to share these things with the others around him, such as his parents. So without further ado, here's RJ. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is my second conversation with RJ. RJ has spent the summer, most of the summer, in Palestine, where he's doing a leadership project. And part of it was to take on a personal challenge of avoiding bottles, which I think would have been very difficult there. But you've been home for some time. And I want to ask you about the bottles, but I'm going to indulge myself. And I believe the listeners to ask a bit about Palestine, which actually Leadership in the Environment podcast, you were doing, if I... I would bet that you're doing, you were doing a lot of leadership there and I haven't heard anything more. So this is all going to be news to me. Can we talk about the, your leadership work in Palestine? Absolutely. Would that uh, would be happy to. So can you give us a frame? How long were you there? What were your goals? How big of a team were you there with? Yeah. So I spent two months um, over the summer in Palestine between the city of Ramallah and the city of Nablus. And the, the, our, our goal there was to implement an organization that I started in your class, um, all at NYU, um, called Lead Palestine. And um, Lead Palestine is an initiative where we aim to inspire, motivate, and empower the next generation of Palestine's youth. And the way that we aim to do that uh, is through a series of hands-on, fun, leadership-based workshops, activities, games, uh, throughout the course of a week-long summer camp. And we connect the students to a local mentor. And these mentors are local university students who have grown up in Palestine, live in Palestine, understand the context, and they're there year-round. So these are, you know, if you can think of the Big Brother, Big Sister program here in the States, it's kind of the equivalent to that, but in a refugee camp called New Oscar, 
in, in Palestine. And just to give you kind of the context of New Oscott and what some of the unmet needs are, it's home to a 70% unemployment rate, zero police presence, high drug abuse. The UN has described, generally speaking, the refugee camps in the West Bank as just a situation of hopelessness. There are generations of people who have now lived in these refugee camps that have seen no way out, you know, just failed, failed, failed peace processes and who just really kind of see the enduring conflict and occupation as something that's not going to go away. And the situation of hopelessness is really dangerous, Josh, because when you lose hope, you don't feel empowered. And when you don't feel empowered, I've really seen the absolute danger in that, like resulting in a child's life. Um, I'll give you a story that we had a conversation with the student over this past summer named um, Muhammad. And Muhammad, or as you might say it in English, Muhammad expressed to his counselor that he just wants to live his life and become a martyr. And that meaning he wants to die for the Palestinian cause. And so when you think about that at first, you know, your first reaction might be he's just a violent kid or he might just be a bad guy. But if you really look to the cause of it, he's just a kid who's looking to feel important. He's just a kid looking to show his manhood and he's looking just to you know, fight for his community. There is almost a sense of glorification for becoming a martyr. And so when that's what you grow up to seeing, and that's what you grow up as the leaders and those, that's who you see are the heroes, that's going to impact your psyche is how you develop as a young man and as a young uh, child. And so what we did over the course of the week is we presented a different kind of leadership. Whereas many of the students, including Muhammad, saw leadership and a leader as a politician or as a military figure. We wanted to show them that leadership can come from a place of self-awareness, a place of kindness, a place of working together with a group of people towards a common goal to address unmet needs in your community and um, your surrounding areas. And so part of that was through a, an experiential project on the last two days of the camp, where we basically asked them to find an unmet need in their community in their small groups and create a solution. And you're going to present that on the final dinner that we hosted. Now, what I saw throughout that course of the week was the development of Muhammad, a kid who was kind of more reclusive, a kid who was more quiet, to someone who became more outgoing and showed us more of his passion of photography. And by the end of it, he took the lead on his team of five people to develop a project to combat the drug abuse in his community, in which he presented it along with four other young men to really kind of challenge one of these uh, issues that are plaguing his community. And that's kind of where I'm really excited to see how the mentorship plays out with his counselor, whose name is Ahmed. Because if Ahmed can continue to make these impacts with Muhammad that he already did, I think he will continue on showing him that, hey, there are other ways that you can give back to your community. There are other ways you can show your manhood and really feel uh, important and, and, and feel valued. I can't help but ask a personal question. When you found out about Muhammad's desire to become a martyr, how did that feel for you? You knew yes. Muhammad. You, he wasn't someone that was like a, a third party something. You, you'd met him. You'd talk to him face to face. What was it like to hear about these plans? When I heard it, I was quite shocked, you know, because it was it suddenly became an issue that was direct, like in my face. I now have a, a friend, you know, someone that I care deeply about, someone that I have good memories with who showed me how to dance. And we spent time together hanging out before that. That now the story that you kind of hear off is just one-offs, right? You, you just kind of hear about these stories through articles or magazines or through conferences. Now I have a name to this story and I have a face to this story. And it kind of just makes you take a step back and think, damn, I mean, this is really real. 
what's happening to these students, despite anyone's views of the occupation of the conflict, it's really dangerous because like hope matters so much for an individual. And once they lose hope, things can really become quite dire. I'm not trying to say they're bad people. You know, violence is bad, but when you take it into context, they're just they're just trying to save themselves and they're just trying to save their situation. It, the, when I first responded, I said they don't have any other options. If he doesn't have any options, that's, if that's the best option he's got. So there's actually it seems like there's a, a tight line here that you're not bringing in resources that weren't there before. Material, you're not bringing in material resources, but you're bringing in something that. Well, are you bringing in something new that they could never have done before, or is it showing them something that they could have done before but weren't? Because it's kind of tough if you say they could have done this at any time, then they weren't really hopeless. Mm-hmm. Or you see how that's kind of like how much do we say that there was no options, and how much do we say that, or maybe we say that the leadership skills they're not material, but still it's not something that you can just mm-hmm. easily come up with on your own. Well, see, here's like the beautiful thing about all this, Josh. It's I, I think you agree with me in that leaders are not born. I, I believe leaders are made um, and that I think we have qualities within us and we can just learn them. I mean, we can just learn how to become leaders. But sometimes these and for so often for these students, they just never even heard that concept because for them, the just the term of leadership that they understand so rigidly is just reserved for so many or for so few. It's just reserved for a select few of people, the most brash and the most the loudest people in the community and the ones who, you know, really just kind of act more as managers than anything else. Right. And so when you show them that, hey, this is leadership, too, and you can be a leader by doing X, Y and Z, I think that kind of shifts their perception. And something that we did was we just created um, a space where we could ask them questions that they've never been asked before. And consequently have faced, faced emotions that they've never faced before in a way that they were never allowed to face before. So these were not very like hard questions, but questions like, what is leadership? Who's a good leader? Why are they a good leader? What specifically do they do? What are your goals? What are your dreams? How, how do you hope to achieve them? You know, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? So what that, what that resulted in was just a real vulnerability where these students for a moment were just allowed to be students and we're now having conversations, which they told us, wow, we've never had this conversation before. And where by the end of it, they were asking us for more reflection time, more time to just really have these conversations and ask these kind of questions. And it did, why, why all guys? Was it only men or did it just happen to be that way or young men or boys? Oh, no, there was 15 boys and 15 girls. And so that was also kind of another beautiful thing in that we wanted to respect, you know, the cultural gender norms, but we also wanted to show that you can really benefit, especially in a, in a society which is very patriarchal, that you as a man can greatly benefit from listening to the woman sitting next to you if you just listen to her. And so a lot of the exercises and activities were done between uh, the young men and the young women, and which they told us time and time again, this is really nice. We, we've known each other from before. And, you know, we see each other around, but we've never actually talked and we've never actually worked together. And I really enjoy this. And that's really, really important because if you're a young girl in the back of a room, right, and, and you're quiet and maybe you're experiencing depression or whatever you're, whatever you're experiencing, it's really hard for you to buy into leadership and think you can be a leader when all you think of a leader is just that military dictator, right? But now if you can finally see a leader as your teacher, as your coach, 
as your friend or as your mother, that changes the whole game. I mean, to me, you're talking about self-empowerment and being able to take responsibility and being able to act and having hope. And from a certain perspective, I think of I do a lot of corporate training and working with corporations. And the more prestigious the organization, the more they're about training people and helping empower people within the company. You know, if you're yeah. like a Wall Street bank or a consulting company, you want to develop your people as, as much as you can. And in these places, it's like somehow we don't connect and say, if it's helpful there, it's helpful everywhere. And we know how to teach this stuff. Yeah. And why wouldn't we teach in a place where leadership is so lacking? And I don't mean leadership in terms of the military people that you were talking about or that they, you know, that people think of, but leaders of people who empower and enable and, and give people uh, the ability to take responsibility for themselves. And instead of throwing stones or blowing themselves up to actually to, okay, I guess in, in what you're doing now is to introspect and learn about what their interests are and to be able to meet with each other. A big piece of leadership is creating the understanding and the context where people can share their vulnerabilities, which normally you don't share. And therefore people don't really understand each other because you're protecting, everyone's protecting themselves. Yeah. But a leader, one of the things that they can do is make this stuff exposed so that you can do something about it. I would imagine that it would be inevitable that if you get people, even if you're just working within the community, that at some point they're going to start, their skills will develop enough that they're going to start doing these, this leading First, they'll lead themselves, then they'll lead people who are close to them, and then they'll start leading people who are adversarial with them. And I don't mean leading telling them what to do, but yeah. so I'm not saying that you guys would push them in that direction, but it seems to me that if you succeed, that that would become inevitable, that people would say, I would imagine someone would say, you know, these people I'm throwing rocks at, why are they doing what they're doing? Why don't I find out? Maybe how can I find out? And to find out from them, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't there. I've never, it's been the last time I was even anywhere near there was a long time ago. So I'm out of my element here. Yeah. But it seems like that's a direction where things would happen. Even if you weren't the one making that happen, their leaders eventually emerge as taking responsibility and acting on their own. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you want to bring, you know, peace between Palestinians and Israelis, a lot of things have to happen. But, you know, the first step is, I think, for the two sides to really come together and I think be flexible in seeing each other's uh, viewpoints. Yeah. Now, I guess. I'm also something that's been in the back of my mind. You you keep talking about these students, these students. You're a student. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not that much older than them. And on a personal note, what do your parents think of this? Are, are they like proud? Are they supportive? Are they like, this is crazy? <laughs> I think they, they've been really supportive. I think when I first approached them about the idea two years ago, I think they kind of thought it was a fleeting idea, as did a lot of people. I'm someone that has an tendency to come up with a lot of ideas and I don't always follow everyone through, every single idea through. And so when I came up with this idea two years ago, you know, they, I don't think they thought how long I would, you know, follow it through. But once they saw, they visited the camp actually for a week and they, they didn't come to our actually camp, but they visited the refugee camp. And I think once they kind of engaged with some of the people and had some conversations with the local stakeholders, they walked away feeling really proud. Um, and I think they definitely understood, especially why I have the love um, for the new Oscar community that I do. What about for you? How does school look to you now after having done what you've done and looking forward to what you are going to keep doing? Does it, is school <laughs> more important, less important, different, the same? It's um, I think when I, I mean, truthfully speaking, when I think of like my priorities right now, 
I would say Lead Palestine and I'm the president of the Muslim Students Association on campus. Those both kind of hold the tie for first place in terms of my priority um, and like where my energy and time goes into. And then so school falls um, into third place, not because I don't like it, but I think I just have um, my love and my passion is both between Lee Palestine and, and, MS, and Muslim Students Association, otherwise known as MSA. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. If someone's listening to this and they want to help you and they want to contribute, is the best thing they can do, is it donate money? Is it donate time? Is it just know about you or are you guys self-contained? No, I would love for everyone to check out our website, leadpalestine.com. And there, please sign up for our mailing list. And we also, if if you can, we'd love uh, donations and just to really support our work. And we will be releasing um, some updates over you know the next couple of months, especially about some of our impact over the past summer. We're releasing a mini documentary highlighting the camp, um, and we will by next year also be opening up spots potentially for interns and to really grow our team to to try and uh, broaden our impact. And so if people are interested in doing, in participating, should they wait a little bit because you're just back and you've got to catch up or should they, are you, did, do you want to hear from people ASAP like as soon as they want? If, if they're interested, you can check our website or you can email me. My email is rjkalaf, K-H-A-L-A-F at nyu.edu. And I'd love to hear from anyone that's uh, interested in helping in any way or just asking for questions or advice or whatever. But I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything. Great. And I, I feel like I've just indulged in, in like following my own curiosity. I hope people are still listening. <laughs> so I want to thank you for sharing all of that. And, and now, if you don't mind, can we talk about some bottles? <laughs> yes, let's do it. So let's see. While you were in Palestine, there was no fresh drinking water or safe drinking water. So you couldn't really – you were kind of hamstrung there. Yeah. How long have you been back in the States? Uh, I've been back in the States now for two weeks. And – about. Can you repeat what was the the personal challenge as you as you did it? My personal challenge was quite simple, but it was to completely eliminate the the use of water bottles from my life um, and to just kind of move towards like a Nalgene or a reusable water bottle and just be very conscious of that and to only use a reusable water bottle. So I'm curious. Okay, so that was the goal, and what was what happened? What were the like? What's the facts? What? How did it go? It went well. I got my. And I just started and it's been going great. I haven't, I, I kind of made myself a promise that if I forgot my bottle at home or I lost it or whatever, I would only use like a reusable cup or use a drinking fountain. I would not spend the money on buying a bottle of water. And um, that's been great. And I haven't forgotten it any day until today, actually. <laughs> and so, so like after, after this podcast, I'm going to go out to the drinking fountain and grab some water. But um, it's, it's been great. But something that's really interesting to me is that it's definitely made me really more conscious of the amount of like paper products that I use. So it's going beyond just thinking about water bottles, but I drink coffee every day and I take a coffee cup every day. So I'm, I'm going to buy a, you know, a reusable coffee mug um, that I can carry around from class to class and, you know, transition into using like much like reusable 
products as they can, you know, stop getting plastic bags from the store, but really seeing it's super easy. Like it's not that hard to just use reusable products rather than constantly relying on the paper and plastic that I have, have done for so long. Okay. So why did you do it for so long? Was it just, you weren't conscious of it or, I mean, it was easy before. Yeah. No one, I think no one challenged me. Like no one said, Hey, I challenge you to do this. When I think about my own faith as a Muslim, it is one of actually like the tenets of our faith in order to be a good Muslim, you have to respect the environment. And I mean, to like, just to understand that this world and the air and the oxygen and the water and the animals and the trees and everything that is in it, it's, it's like a gift from God. And so you have to really respect that gift from God. And so for me, in a way, like I see it as a form of worship to be more mindful of the way, the kind of footprint I leave on this earth. And, you know, I leave a massive footprint every time I fly home to Las Vegas, um, every time I buy something from the store and there's like a plastic bag or whatever, or, you know, anytime I buy something, there is some sort of carbon cost to that, right? And so to be really conscious of my consumption, not just in food, but in products. And so I guess it just, you feel almost empowered, I guess, in a way to say, hey, you know, me by just, you know, stop buying these bottles of water, which, you know, I might have bought multiple a day at times. It's a small step, but, you know, if everyone did it, as cliche as it sounds, it would make a big difference. And so it's hard for me to tell other people you should watch your consumption levels and you should you should recycle more and you should stop drinking bottled waters and you should start using reusable stuff if I'm not doing it myself. It sounds like cheap advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm reading like you're you're glad you wish you had made this change before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's something that I want to push my family to make. Um, my family, we buy multiple cases of water a week. We go through ridiculous amounts of bottled water. And while I was home over this past weekend, I really noticed that, especially as I'm being more conscious of the amount of, you know, about not using bottled waters. I just saw how much bottled water my family was using. And it, it made me think, you know, as a family, we should do better. And so that was kind of, I've kind of brought it up to my family. They, they weren't super on board with it, but we'll, we'll keep on trying to push them to consider, uh, moving towards, re, you know, reusable cups and, and bottles. I got to tell you, if you're trying to lead people in the area of the environment, it's a challenge. All these <laughs> leadership skills that you have, it's like, use them here and let me know what works and what doesn't work. Because I mean, th this is, it's music to my ears because it's a big thing for me is one of the big things I want to get out of this is to create other leaders not to create followers. And it's really hard to motivate people not to pollute. But on the other hand, when it kicks in, if I re the way I'm reading you is like, I wish I'd done it earlier. I'm really glad I'm doing this. I like consciousness. There's an element of divinity in it for you, if I hear you right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you look back at, at you before? How would you describe your you with respect to the environment pre this, this challenge? Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's not like I've all, I've ever denied climate change or anything like that, but you know, you could say climate change is happening and global warming is bad and we need to enact policies and all that stuff. But then like, what am I doing on an individual level? And in a way, like I wasn't doing anything. I was just retweeting stuff and, you know, saying, ah, this, this congressman or this senator is just denying climate change and they suck. And like, that was kind of like all my engagement was with it. And so I guess it, it just kind of, I was just 
but you know, how invested was I really in it? This is kind of what I was, how I, how I look at myself in the past. And I don't look at myself, you know, from like a place of animosity or anger towards myself, but seeing that I could do better. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how I'm going to look back at myself a year from now to see, you know, what, what steps I've made, you know, from just going from using recycle, uh, reusable, you know, bottles of water. Yeah, it's funny because from my ears, when you first started, it's hard for me not to think like not getting bottles. Like how hard is that? That's like so trivial. But that's a leader. You know, it's the other person. It's where they are. And it really is a big deal yeah. for a lot of people. Some people what look like after you actually you're going to look someone at some point is going to talk about making some change. You're going to be like, that's so easy. But it's not, you know, at, their, at it might not be from their perspective. I'll tell you, like it was funny on the plane. Um I left my I left my water bottle in my bag that was in the checked luggage, and so I'm like, man, I'm I'm really thirsty. So I, I broke the rule to get you know a a cup of water, and I asked the guy. I said, hey, can I get a refill? And he about to fill up another cup. I said, no, no, sir. Yeah, on the airplanes, it's insane. I'm like, dude, that's okay. Like, can you please just use mine? It's okay. I don't want I don't want another cup. And he just he didn't listen. He just filled up another cup and I was really mad about it. And yeah. where I think in the past, I wouldn't have cared at all. But that moment, it really irked me. I'm like, man, I'm telling you I'm okay with using the same cup. Why would you not just listen to me in that moment and, and, and use the same cup? But he filled up too. You're get ready for more of the same because you're going to see a <laughs> lot of that. The big thing is not just the amount of bottles that you change compared to the global bottle production. It's like nothing, but it's the mindset shift that once it starts, then you start influencing others. And I, I would expect that the first couple of times you talk to your parents about it, you're probably going to step on the landmines that I did if people push back and they think you're imposing on them and so forth. And then you got to find out some people, you got to find out how to lead them effectively or not if they're, if it's not going to happen because some people really think I got mine, you get yours. And, you know, I'm not trying to influence them. I'm trying to help people who want to do to do more and to hopefully have results like you've had or for me to learn from what from different experiences because there's a lot more people out there than i know about but that this i think that there's a lot of people who are going to go through this change of like oh i can take responsibility when i do take responsibility i like what happens yeah. and it's like what more can i do how much more can i do and and those people who do all those other things now i see like those people who've done more than me now i see why they do it they really like it so thank you very much for sharing this. I, I'm curious, or I'm going off the cuff here, but would you be interested in in upping the personal challenge and, and going on for a third conversation? Yeah, let's do it. Anything come to mind? No more uh, paper coffee cups. And for me, that's a big one. I drink one to, one to two coffee cups a day, and and so no more no more personal uh, paper coffee coffee cups. So. No restriction on the amount of coffee. No, just no, on the coffee cups. <laughs> I love coffee. I love coffee. Okay. And oh yeah, you said that you're going to get yourself a mug, a reusable mug or something like that. Yeah. How are you going to get the new one? Because you have to go through, you have to avoid a lot of paper before you make up for whatever. The, I don't know where you're going to get the mug. Do, do you have any recommendations for me? Do you have an extra one? I don't have any. You want something with a lid that you can carry around, right? Yeah. Closes. I mean, if I were going to get one, I would go to Goodwill. So, all right. So how long do you think you have to do it before it kicks in? How about three weeks? All right. So we're September 7. So one, two, three weeks, 28th. Okay, cool. So I will send you the calendar invitation after this. 
Anything else to cover before wrapping up? Uh, no, I, I think we spoke for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I think we covered everything. All right, cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, I talked to you for a long time about Palestine and is uh, really fascinating and I can't wait to hear more. And I wonder if there'll be more stuff about Palestine when we talk in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks. Yeah, um, we will be presenting at a conference. Well, actually, the weekend, that weekend after the 28th. So we got invited to speak at our first conference, which is exciting. And so we'll see how that goes. Everyone, go to, please say the webpage again. Uh, leadpalestine.com. Thank you very much. And I look forward to talking again in a few weeks. Thanks, Josh. Bye. I hope I'm not the only one who finds RJ's leadership work incredible and effective. And the stories that he's bringing, it's hard to fathom, especially I have to keep telling myself he's 21 years old. All the more impressive is that he's bringing a new style of leadership into a place where, according to him, machismo, martyrdom are the standards. And that people there, people who have spent time there and who have roots there and have a stake in the outcome, they tell him, and I take him at his word, that what he's doing works. I also loved hearing his heightened awareness about garbage and water bottles. And it's so interesting to me that the main thing holding him back from changing before was that no one challenged him. No one had asked him if he wanted to try it. Now that he's tried it, he wants to do more. So I can't wait to check on him again in a few weeks. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.